0: Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Pod, part of the Full Press Radio Network. I'm your host, Kyle Senra, and joining me are my co-hosts, Kayla Morton and Alessandro Senator. Kayla, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good, how
0: are you? I'm pretty great. And Alessandra, how are you? Doing fantastic. Alright, one at a time, let's all be in order, not panic. You know, it's been a long ride for fantasy, and we're finally here at the Fantasy Playoffs. Um, or sorry, the fantasy championship. We've been in the playoffs for a couple of weeks, but yeah, for a lot of people, week 16 is the title game. Uh, so, you know, every week it gets more and more important and nothing more important than this week's session. So um, I guess there's a bit of news to take away right now. Um, certainly if you're looking to play a certain Seahawks receiver, you won't be able to anymore because he's no longer a Seahawks receiver. Well, presumably. Um, but yeah, Josh Gordon was suspended uh, assuming indefinitely this time again uh, for uh, the substance abuse and uh, performance-enhancing policy, which I I wonder if that's telling. Is is that all just the same policy, and that's why, or or is there, are there, is there actually some performance enhancement this time and not just recreational use? I, I don't really know. I don't know if we have the details there, but just kind of doesn't really matter. That the same result anyway. Josh Gordon won't be playing. For however long he won't be playing. Maybe it's forever. Who knows? So, you know, there's obviously... I think at this point, there's so much uncertainty that we just consider him gone from fantasy. And uh, I know if you have him in Dynasty, you may as well hold on just in case if you've got room. there's. I know there's a lot of di- deep Dynasty leagues with some players that aren't even in the league anymore. And the bench is still just in case how many people were holding Jay Ajayi for how long. So you never know, but whatever the case may be drug addiction is is a serious issue and it seems like you know that's that is the problem with him is is uh, you know which I guess I mean drug addiction it's considered a mental illness so you know are we really helping him or you know just punishing him for this and I, I guess the NFL has a standard of what they want but it doesn't really seem like their best interest has been to help him at all throughout his career so that's another thing that's just it goes against the NFL and really do they care about players it doesn't seem like they do um and again it's not that his action should be anyone's fault but his own, but it doesn't seem like there's really been any support systems in place. It seems like the Patriots kind of did on their own, not because they were mandated by the NFL. Uh, he spoke about them, and it seemed like they, you know he, they treated him really well and gave him all the support he needed. But it, it's not that seems like it's an exception. And let's be honest, I know we all hate the Patriots, but it, they do things properly. Um, but I do know about about this Gordon issue. I know uh, Kayla in our FBC group chat. You actually made a really great point. Uh, about, you know, certain people and, and the, the mocking of Gordon in this regard. And that's, you know, it's really insensitive to that. I don't know if did you want to add anything to, uh, with regards to Gordon.
1: Uh, yeah, I just want to say, um, you know, obviously he's had numerous offenses to this. So you can either look at it the way you shouldn't and you know look at it as oh he's just doing drugs like that's what he's always done he's not getting better like again this is hilarious or you can look at the way that you should as a human being and see that you know how he at the start of his career could have been one of the best wide receivers that we've ever seen but this isn't a football issue he he's struggling i'm glad that you brought up the point that drug addiction is an is an illness a mental illness because i firmly believe that it is um i'm not going to get into how i feel one way or the other about what the nfl does or doesn't do for players or you know the rules in place why they're there or not but if you're one of those people who are laughing at the fact that he's now suspended again you have a problem Um, There's no other way to put it. I don't, no one will ever sway me a different way on my feeling of this. I've lost friends to drug addiction, drug overdose. I've seen it break up families that I care about. And, you know, he's not doing this because he necessarily wants to. He has some sort of condition, whether it's mental or something else, that he's struggling with. Um, And I really think people should look at it as, you know, this this might be a call for help in a way. Um, And it could also be the case where he's doing this so that he's still, you know, alive. So I'm never going to stand for somebody mocking or making fun of a situation like this, no matter what kind of drugs it is, whether you think it's serious or not. Um, I mean, personally, I think any abuse of drugs, regardless of if it's accidental or, you know, on purpose, whether it's a prescription, whether it's illegal, whatever, whether you think it should be illegal or not, whatever. uh, You just have to really hope that he gets the help that he needs along with everybody else. If he wasn't a public figure or in sports, uh, we wouldn't know that he was struggling. And that's the case for so many people that we don't know that they're struggling until it's too late. So the fact that people are mocking the struggles that he's having is disgusting. Um, There's, I don't really have a better way to put it, but I also like the fact that you're talking about New England. Um, Yeah, we all hate the Patriots, but we've seen many times – Players that they've taken in. I mean, the most recent besides Gordon that I can think of is Michael Floyd. He got released from the Cardinals because he had a DUI and it wasn't his first one. And, you know, the Patriots claimed him. We go, oh, they took another, you know, one of these guys that has these problems uh, just because they want to make their team better. No, it, it wasn't necessarily a football decision. I don't even think he played in multiple games for them, but there, you know, there are reports. There's proof that they tried to help him with. The issues that he was having. So I commend the organization because honestly, that's they're the only organization that I know of that takes matters like this seriously, personally, and they try to do what they can for the individuals, not the football players. So overall, I hope you know this isn't the end of his football career because having a mental illness doesn't take away from the talents that you have as a football player. But in the situation, he is a person. He is not just a football player. He is not just somebody on your fantasy team. He is somebody that needs help.
0: I think this is a pretty serious topic that I'm glad we addressed here. Um, there is a bit more news. Uh, I guess I guess this will deal with more on the next episode when we actually do the Panthers game. But it looks like they make a quarterback change. Alessandro, I know you're more in tune with the Panthers. So do you want to give us the details here?
2: Yes, so um, the Carolina Panthers are benching Kyle Allen and starting Will Greer. The only thing is um, when Carolina first uh, had him out, um, he had him in the preseason. He was doing 55% of his passes, completing them. Two touchdowns, three interceptions, and was sacked seven times. And he did play with first, second, and third string players in the rotation in the preseason. I know preseason isn't the same much, and it's a lot different than regular season, but he did play with first stringers, and he only managed 55% of his passes, two DDs, and three NTs the entire time. So, <clears throat> To,
0: to <laughs> that I will say, though, if he's playing with first stringers,
2: he's also playing against
0: first stringers. So it's not like he's completing 55% of passes on guys that aren't even on, on rosters anymore. Yeah, Kayla, do you want to add any insight to Kyle Allen Will Greer?
1: Uh, not Kyle Allen and Will Greer, uh, but I did want to bring up that the New York Giants placed Evan Ingram, their tight end on IR about an hour ago, Michael Eisen reported it, and um, I know there was speculation that he was going to come back uh, towards the end of the season just to see kind of where he stood, Um, but the foot injury was uh, too severe, and uh, they placed him on IR, so he'll finish this season. uh, He only played in eight games. He had 44 catches for 467 yards and three touchdowns, so... Uh, right now, the Giants could also be without Red Ellison again, who's still in concussion protocol. So there's really no update on him. But for right now, we do know that Evan Ingram will not play for the rest of the season. So it sounds
0: like Caden Smith the rest of the way for them. Uh, I'll just I'll briefly check snap counts of last week, but I, I feel like I remember seeing Caden Smith had most of them at tight end. Um mm-hmm yeah, he played 100% of the offensive snaps. Now, Scott Simmonson also played 35, so they were using the two tight ends at 35% of the time, which, again, surprising without their top two tight ends. But, yeah, Caden Smith is, I guess, a really deep option here, but we'll we'll talk about matchups. Uh, well, Actually, we'll talk about matchups right now, I think. Uh, is there any other news that we need to inform people of?
2: Mm-hmm. Not for right now. All right,
0: so then, yeah, let's let's get into this. So uh, I guess uh, week 16 championship, we'll, we'll throw, the NFL throws a curve at us all late in the year. No Thursday night game, so you don't have to get everything done by Thursday or certain decisions don't have to be made by Thursday, but there are three Saturday games. Uh, so again, a little bit, throwing off the schedule a little bit, uh, but more time before the first game, which actually could help getting as much information as possible. Uh, so on the Saturday games, we start with the Buccaneers hosting the Texans. Uh, And to me, the must starts, both quarterbacks, uh, because both these teams kind of struggle to run the football. Tampa more than Houston, but the problem is Houston goes up against the best run defense in the league. So to me, this scream screams shootout. This is all going to be through the quarterback. So uh, Watson, Hopkins, I think Fuller's probably in the range of must start. You know, monitor through the week, but if he's healthy, he should have a monster game against this secondary. This secondary can't contain Will Fuller. I mean, they can't contain anybody, but... As someone like Will Fuller's speed, I think that's gonna be way too much for them. And uh, in favorable matchups for that, we've seen Watson go to Fuller quite often. I mean, seven targets last week against Tennessee, and that's a that's a tougher match. That's they've got some speed there in the secondary. They've got guys that can kind of keep up. So uh, it ended up being more Kenny Stills, but I think with with the Bucks, what we've seen is games where when you know when Fuller is open, Watson's gonna go to him. So I think, you know, it's it's weird to say Will Fuller's a must-start, but I, I believe he is this week. And then I put Bashad Perryman here as a must start. Um, I know last week we were all kind of wrong. I know I thought it would be OJ Howard, Cameron Brayton. And I mean, they did get enough targets, just didn't really produce with those targets. Not to the level of Perryman, who who, he went off last week. Uh, I know three touchdowns. What was it? I know it was a hundred yard game and three touchdowns. So um, with likely no Chris Godwin and no Mike Evans, he's the number one receiver, I guess. So uh, in this shootout type of matchup, I I think he's a, a pretty good start. Uh, maybe it's the thing is I I just feel like you're chasing the points part of it too because uh, I, I don't I don't believe his target share was much greater than that of uh, Howard or Brait, so it just he happened to get the big plays I guess the nature of his position as a wide receiver allows him to get those big plays uh, he'll be further downfield because um, because Perryman only had six targets I mean. I, Brate had seven and Howard had eight so they were more targeted than he was so I, I wasn't wrong about that I, I I remember saying I thought those were gonna be the top three targets where Godwin Howard and Brate. I was right about that but you know their combined production didn't even equal to what Perryman had so uh, I'll throw that out the window so I again I think considering we just saw him do it and he was a former first round pick I think Rashad Perryman's the option for the Buccaneers um uh, in the maybes uh again, the Bucks' week secondary, I really like Kenny Stills this week, actually. Um, more than probably any other Houston player. Uh, I, I also have Duke Johnson as a maybe. This is a really weak maybe, and you're really hoping. Uh, I guess some news right now, um, and the reason he'll be a must-sit for me, was, was actually I was putting him in the must-sit before I even knew this. But uh, Carlos Hyde uh, was limited today with an ankle injury. It's Tuesday practice. It's usually just a walk. Well, it's a Saturday. So this, this, is, this isn't just a walkthrough day for them, actually. So this is kind of like their Wednesday practice. So limited on Wednesday practice is usually okay. Uh, we'll see. Monitor that. But if Carlos Hyde is out, I actually like Duke Johnson because of his ability as a pass catcher. Um, what I don't like about Carlos Hyde, though, is his lack of pass catching. Nine receptions on the year. And this Bucks defense, as I mentioned, best run defense in the league. Uh, I don't think I, I, I was all in favor of playing Hyde last week. I played him in the league and he helped me get to a championship. Um, but this is not a week to play Carlos Hyde. So I'm regardless of the ankle injury, I'm sitting him anyway. Um, so for the other Bucks players that are maybes, OJ Howard, uh, and I forgot to put Cameron and Breit, but both of them again, I mean that, you know, likely the top two targets again this week. I think I'll stand by that. Um, So if you need a tight end, uh, certainly, I mean, if you're someone who was maybe relying on Evan Ingram to come back and need that upside play, Howard seems like a pretty good play here. Uh, I have Chris Godwin as a maybe because he hasn't been officially ruled out yet. It does seem highly unlikely that he plays. Um, He wasn't participating in practice. Yeah, uh, but uh, so, you know, definitely don't drop Chris Godwin. Hold him just in case. Um, But if he doesn't go... Then Kayla, your call last week. Justin Watson—he has to play on the field now. Scotty Miller's on IR. Um, again, Evans, Godwin are gone, so Watson becomes the number two wide receiver. So I think Watson's a, a decent play. At least go pick up, and uh, you know, maybe worth the play in in this again potential shootout game. I also have Ronald Jones because he did get targeted a lot. He's he's seen games where he is the the kind of the pass catching role uh, as, as a running back. He had six targets, sorry, three targets last week actually, not that great. Um, it's it's a maybe but it's a pretty weak maybe I would trust more the receiving options like a, a Howard or a Watson more than I would trust Ronald Jones uh, and frankly Dario Gumbawale Peyton Barber I mean if they get a touchdown great but if not it, the days tend to be busts. Uh the other players I want to mention are Houston tight ends so we've got Jordan Akins and Darren Fells, and I guess now Jordan Thomas as well although he's barely played on offense uh, just a handful of snaps in his two appearances so he's a non-factor but the other guys really haven't been producing at all. Uh, I looked; it's been uh, Fells has one touchdown in the last, I think it's five or six games. Uh, he's seven on the year, and it came in the middle stretch. A lot of those games where Will Fuller was out, but now that Fuller's back, his role's really diminished. I know uh, last week, I believe, or two weeks ago, uh, Jordan Akins had a big target game against Denver. But then again, that with that secondary, the way that secondary is lined up, you know, the corner matchups are so great that you have to attack with the tight ends. The bucks it's the exact opposite. The corner matchups are so weak that Watson's going to be able to look for Fuller, Stills, and, and of course Hopkins. So I think the tight ends get left on the wayside and, uh, you know, much rather play the Bucs tight ends than I would the, the Texans tight ends here. Uh, anyone want to add any input?
1: Yeah, I agree with the the Texans uh, tight ends not playing them. Um, ever since Darren Fells had those two touchdowns so many weeks ago in that <laughs> one game where he looked like he was going to go off and nobody owned him, uh, he has not done really anything else. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree with all your other calls and listeners. I apologize. You did not make it to your fantasy Super Bowl because you started Justin Watson because I said you should. He got 17 yards. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but.
0: I, to just add to that, it, we feel. I mean, I know the pain. I benched uh, Brashad Perryman and lost by 1.2 points. Oh my God. Yeah. Well. And yeah. I played Cameron Braid. <laughs> so right there, I was... I Hey, I, I lived by what I said. Play Braid over Perryman, and it cost me. So, yeah, we're sorry that well, got it Well, in your wrong.
1: defense, I would have done that, too, because... Well, tight end I'm premium sorry, but... Well. Ugh, but it doesn't matter, really. But I didn't even know Brashad Perryman was a first-round pick, and when you just said that, I couldn't stop shaking my head, because yeah, he's, he's been, you know... Benched when he's healthy. He comes on the field and plays a lot of snaps. Doesn't get anything. Then can't be a top three starter. And now all of a sudden this man has three touchdowns in a game because, you know, the team was depleted and Jameis Winston, for whatever reason, felt he needed to throw 456 yards. Okay. But I'm... I think because of the situation, sure you can trust him. I'm not going to do that just because of my own personal feelings, but if you if it's stat based and that's what you go by, which you know makes sense cuz we're you're looking at fantasy so you should go by stats. Go for it. I don't know. Sometimes my personal feelings get in the way and this is one of those times. But yes, I agree with everything else.
0: Yeah, um but again, I mean, if, if the process was Perryman again didn't see a huge target share. He just super efficient on his targets. So, I mean, I didn't think you were that wrong. And you know, sometimes the process doesn't lead to results. If fantasy was that predictable, it wouldn't be so fun. Uh, before we get to the Bills Patriots game, Alessandro, I know you don't you don't like talking about those two teams. Do you? So do you want to say anything about uh, Texans Bucks? No, I'm good. I think you guys pretty much covered it all. All right, so Kayla, AFC East matchup, which I mean. If the Bills can win it, that makes that division race suddenly wide open again. So uh get care to uh I mean you can predict that the outcome if you want, but uh fantasy projections are more important. So what do you what do you have for us?
1: Yeah, so first off, I just wanted to say I took one for the team in covering this game when you asked who uh wanted the games on Saturday. So You didn't have to take it to
2: try that. You could have took the Rams, I would have done it.
1: Well, that's OK. Um, so I, I actually kind of wanted to look more into this game anyway for my own uh, enjoyment. But yeah, um, the division race, it gets really interesting if Buffalo wins this game, uh, they'll be tied. And, uh, you know, the Patriots struggle playing Miami in week 17 for the last, oh, I don't know, 10 years or so. So uh, I think uh, Dolphins fans come, become huge Bills fans this week and uh, Bills fans become huge Dolphins fans next week. Anyway, uh, for Buffalo, I think you have to start Devin Singletary with confidence. Uh, New England has been lit up recently on the ground, um, really throughout the entire year, but uh, most recently, Joe Mixon just had 156 yards against the Patriots last week. That did not come in garbage time for the one-win Bengals. so. uh, I think if you look back in the first matchup, really earlier in the year, Buffalo kind of poked the tiger early in the season. Um, they actually started exposing the weakness on the good defense that the Patriots have, and I think uh, Buffalo can win this game, but they'll need to pound the ball and use the clock. So, uh, Singletary's the starter. Buffalo's been trusting him with a hefty uh, carry. Uh, count, so I think uh, if Buffalo can really trust him to do that, you should too, and I did want to bring up, even though I have Frank Gore as a sit him because he's not the starter anymore, he did start against the Patriots in week four when Singletary was out with his hamstring injury, but uh, Frank Gore had hundred had 109 yards I believe uh, when Singletary was out as a starter, so um, that should give you more confidence to play him, uh, but what's even more important was Frank Gore is projected to get less than four points in fantasy that week, um, so I remember I remember specifically, you know, asking both of you guys if I should play Frank Gore. I don't remember who was over, but I was just looking at the stats and, you know, looking at the experts. And I was like, this this number doesn't make sense with the holes that, you know, they they've been showing to opposing teams. So I really like Devin Singletary. Um, Buffalo's proved that they can run against them before. Uh, So I think this game's going to be on the ground for both teams a lot. And then I was going back and forth with playing either John Brown or Cole Beasley. Um, I think you play one of them, but not both of them. So really, here's the deal for me. I can't make a definitive call on both of these guys. So both are gaining a lot of yards of finding the end zone, but it's fluctuating. Last week was Beasley's first game without a touchdown a month, and Brown needed just one more yard to have 100 yards on the game. So history shows this season that John Brown struggles more with tougher defenses, likely because he sees top coverage. But against New England this season, he did have a decent game. Um, he had 69 yards, but he did drop six passes, or he didn't haul them in, depending on you know, if Josh Allen overthrew him or whatever. But he got five passes for 69 yards, and Cole Beasley was 7 of 13 for 75 yards. So I think the ball could be spread evenly again, but I really think that you have to make a personal call if you have both of them, one of them, on who gets the touchdown, whether you want to play him or not. Um, just running through it again, I couldn't make a definitive call. So I think one of them is worth the play, but I don't know which one, but don't play both of them. Um, I don't have anybody who you could maybe play, um, but for sitting for Buffalo, I got to go with Josh Allen. Um, despite his two touchdowns at Pittsburgh last week, he was held under 20 fantasy points for just the third time this year. Uh, he only completed 13 passes, and Buffalo, again, gave Singletary 21 carries, which tied his career high with Week 12 in Denver. So uh, he's facing – Allen is facing another stingy defense this week in New England, uh, and when they played the Patriots before, it was one of his other two games where he was held under 20 fantasy points and only had 10.8, depending on how your league uh, system is set up. So uh, knowing that Buffalo can win the division uh, might make him play a little harder, but I think history is going to repeat itself with a low-scoring, low-quarterback production day, uh, including Tom Brady. I'll get to that a little bit, but, uh, I, I don't trust Josh Allen here. Um, and then Frank Gore, she's talking about him. Uh, he's the backup and I don't think, uh, anybody but Singletary is going to have a good day on the ground for Buffalo. Um, uh, Tyler Croft he caught a touchdown but it was his first touchdown since 2017 their tight end uh, and that was in Cincinnati so you did not find a hidden treasure do not pick him up don't play him uh, I was shocked when he got a touchdown so uh, and that also goes for Dawson Knox I was like oh my god he got the first catch of the game what does this mean are they going to be using him meant nothing absolutely nothing he had one catch and it was on the first catch for Buffalo so that went out the window um, but moving over to New England, Sony Michelle, I think you have to start the running back. Um, he's getting the carries on the ground again, and he had more than 60 yards in a respectable game last time uh, in Buffalo. So Rex Burke had to get a dumb luck 33-yard touchdown carry that made his stats look way better than they actually were, um, and he only got the ball six times, whereas Sony Michel had 19 carries and got more than 100 yards. So uh, even with a tougher defense, New England chose to still give him 17 carries against Buffalo the last time they play and I think they'll do it again um, I also think so we got a little bit of a situation here with New England wide receivers because you know you look at the the questionable designation for Julian Edelman and you'd think to brush it off because he's been questionable basically every week this year but now, apparently, Edelman is playing, uh, he played last game with knee tendon damage, so uh, he was clearly shaken up, he only had uh, two catches last week for nine yards, but his longest catch on the day was 11 yards, so he he was hobbling around, he looked pretty bad, so I think you need to monitor his status, so I have him in a maybe right now, but if he's out, Nikhil Harry you start him um he's a maybe if Edelman is in but uh Harry caught a touchdown last week when Edelman was shaken up Brady has looked his way in the red zone in each of the past four weeks and he has two touchdowns three if you count the Kansas City touchdown then he was ruled out of bounds on even though Edelman had a block in the back but you know we can talk about that a different time but the reality is he's being looked for in the red zone um he's a former first round pick from last year's draft he's healthy and he was promoted to the number three wide receiver right now on the depth chart he'll be the number two in the game uh or even number one, depending on how much Muhammad Sanu plays in the slot. Uh, so if Edelman is out, then he is the guy that you go with. Um, and then, you know, just talking about Edelman, you got to monitor his status. So he's a maybe. I think if he goes into the game without an injury designation at all, you play him with confidence. If he's a little banged up, uh, I'd consider sitting him, especially because of the matchup. So I think it just depends on his status for game time. Uh, and then I also have Mohamed Sanu as a maybe. Um, he only caught two passes on Sunday, but I'm excited that he had eight targets, so that's encouraging. Um, if Edelman is out, he should still see an increase in volume, maybe even more than eight targets. Um, a lot of the receiving options that uh, a lot of the receiving options really rely on the status of Edelman. Uh, so I think you're going to have to wait until Friday, Saturday to kind of see how that, that's going to roll. Um, and then I also have running back James White in the maybe category. Um, I did almost make him a sit because I think this is going to be a low scoring game and a game on the ground again. So even though White is a running back, he's really a, ca- a pass catching back um, He seldom carries the ball. So he has upside with wide receivers, injuries and struggles, but not a lot, in my opinion. Um, so... Going over to the sit for the Patriots, uh, you're sitting Tom Brady. He had the worst outing of the year against Buffalo in week four with five and a half fantasy points, give or take. Um, He notoriously struggles against Buffalo. That's just how it is. Uh, Don't make the same mistake again by playing him thinking he'll turn around after playing horribly the first time. So it's just something about the Bills' defense. Um, The Patriots also have the most drop passes in the NFL ball wide receivers. So it's not necessarily all on Brady, but with the way they're giving the ball to Sonny Michelle a little bit more and the way that the defensive matchup is going to be on both sides of the ball for this game, um, for both teams. Uh, I'm not playing him. There's better options out there. You can stream people and Brady's kind of been on a decline for recent weeks anyway. So this matchup does not propel him to make you think differently. Uh, And then Rex Burkett, just don't do it. His long touchdown was against a horrible run defense and that's not the case this week. Um, Philip Dorsett and Jacoby Myers wide receivers they both didn't have a catch last week and have been downgraded out of the starters on the depth chart they came in for snaps but they were really blocking or decoys for the play uh, if you watch the game so if they score it'll be likely their only catcher one of two so it's not a high reward uh, situation there so you're not going to play him and then uh, New England's tight end Matt Lacoste I don't really even know who that is so you're not going to play him either.
0: Uh, He is their starting tight end now, but yeah, it does seem hard to trust him. I think uh, there's quite a few other tight ends I'd trust out there. So just to answer your Brown Beasley question, I mean, it it is tough, actually. Um, I think you're a little a little optimistic because I don't I'm I guess I I do have Brown in the league. Yeah, I'm in the final in and I'm probably considering sitting him, to be honest. Uh, I guess I've got Robert Woods, so it's not like that's been much better. (laughs) Yeah. E, that's a tough matchup too. So that's there's you know some ugliness there that I'm gonna have to sife through. I got I got Debo Samuel as well. I don't really want to play any of those three, but I'm gonna have to play one. Um, maybe it's Brown because uh, you're right. I mean, he did he did have a decent performance against the Patriots, but it's the last couple of weeks Brown has seen his worst two games of the year. I think in the last two weeks, so the trend with Brown isn't looking very good. Uh, makes me think I would lean Beasley. I'm uh, not really crazy about either, uh, but I love the sing- Singletary call. I mean, if Frank Gore could get a hundred yard game against the Patriots, given enough carries, I think Singletary could could very well do that. Um, for Josh Allen, I guess um, with him you could play him, and if he gets a receiving or a rushing touchdown or or receiving touchdown, if they want to design cool play calls, like Frank Gore can throw the football. I know they there's a in the Sunday night like game it seemed like there's a play where he was trying to, and then the Steelers defense. Um, but uh, Allen, if he gets a rushing touchdown, I guess makes it worth it. But you're right, it's so tough to trust him. Um, and I know his playoff schedule was a reason that in a super flex lead, I, I traded a, him away just to get Barkley. And I w- didn't you know, didn't get a quarterback back because I was like, okay, he's my third guy and I'm never going to play him in the playoffs. So give me Saquon Barkley. Um, I love telling that story because I may win the league because of that. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty much in line with everything uh, you're saying. I guess the, the difference between Michelle and White might be scoring setting. If you're in a heavy PPR league, I, I think I'd favor White. But if you're just in – if you're in non-PPR, I think definitely I would favor Michelle. So I think with them, it's really just it comes down to, to what your scoring setting is to, to who's the automatic play. I think, to be to be honest, I think the best plays on New England, the top two plays regardless, are going to be Michelle and White. I'm really scared of anyone else against that Bills secondary. I do think Harry maybe has the physicality, and he's also fresh and, and healthier than everyone else. To, to he might If, if there's going to be one receiver to break out, I think you're right, Kayla, that it's Harry. But I wouldn't really bank on him, to be honest, either. All right, so now we move to another uh, interdivisional game, but only we move from the AFC East to the NFC West. I guess complete opposites. Um, Although, again, two teams with winning records, maybe not that opposite. Uh, Alessandro, talk to us about the Rams and 49ers.
2: So the Mountain Goats are going to go talk to the minor 49ers. Yay. No, in all seriousness, um, both these teams are coming off Way, way not should have happened losses. The 49ers are taking this a little bit harder, but then again, it's Julio. And what's Julio going to do? He's going to score. So, for this game, there's a couple of narratives I'm looking for. I'm looking to see if um, Jared Goff can go back to being Jared Goff. He was on fire, he was lighting up the world last week, and he was doing good. So, it's just a matter of will, will he be good again? That's what we all look for. So for um, this game, I don't like Jared Goff on the bounce back. I I think that the 49ers defense, I know they got cut up by the um, Falcons for uh, 210 yards. I don't think he's going to have a good game. Plus, he's also have a bruise on his throwing thumb. That's definitely going to be hurting him a little bit. So, um, I don't think he's going to do good at all this next coming game, so I would definitely bench him. When it comes to Gurley, I like girly in this game, but I like the good Gurley, not the bad Gurley. Last week we saw the bad Gurley. 11 carries, only 20 rushing yards. I mean, overall the game was not good, period, for the Rams, but I definitely don't like to see a unhealthy girlie, so I would have to watch Gurley throughout the week, but for right now... I would play Gurley. I'm just – I'm not high on him. And since I'm not high on any of the Rams wide receivers and I have to pick someone, the only person I would pick is Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup has been lighting the world on fire. And, I mean, he's just been good. Last week he put a little bit of a stinker, six – I mean, stat-wise it's a stinker. Fancy wise it was decent enough. I mean, six catches, six Six targets, six receptions, 41 yards, one touchdown. Um, the only one who, didn't do, who did not do great was Tyler Higbee, 12 receptions, um, off of 14 targets, 111 yards. He was lighting it up, but then again, he's a tight end, and tight ends are fickle with the Rams. So I would not trust him to repeat that success, but – I don't trust Jared Goff or cooper cup just because of how good the 49ers defense was just take away from last week just just take away i i don't know what happened but just take away from it and so speaking of the 49ers they lost in a crunch time like final second to julio it's it it, it, it was a it was it, it hurt oh it hurt to watch that happen but you know what it shows that they're human and they can be defeated. Even by the worst of us. So, look at this game. With everyone hurting and depleted on the Rams, I like Jimmy G in this game. I like that he could do something. Um, he only put up 200 yards and one touchdown in the last game. But you know what? I think that he could bounce back and you know go back to putting up those massive yardages. Um, especially against this uh, Rams defense that is middle of the pack slash, like upper 20s in terms of statistics for um passing defense. Um, so I think even with even with Jalen Ramsey, I think that uh, um, uh, Garoppolo was able to will be able to spread it around. Um, like I said, Ramsey's just one guy, and I think that uh, they're going to come back for a win, looking definitely for a huge one. Um, In terms of um, running backs, I there's a lot of running backs. They got Tevin Coleman, Matt Breo, Rasheem Mozart. If you had to pick one, uh, it's I would say Mozart. I mean, he's definitely been a solid back for him. I know Tevin Coleman had four carries for 40 yards, and he's just been lighting it up. But um, Rasheen Mozart definitely established himself as the lead back. There, in terms of rushing, now they do multi use them, you know, in the passing game and all that. But in terms of rushing, and you need a running back, it's Mozart, and I definitely think that he could keep that going. Um, speaking of when you're looking at the statistics, going back to uh Jimmy G against the Rams, uh, San Francisco. Defense have allowed 151.4 passing yards, so that's why there's another reason why I don't like him in this game. But I like Jimmy G better because the Rams do allow 220.6 yards per game, which is behind um, yes. Dallas Cowboys, which is 11th. So middle of the pack, upper echelon. I was wrong, but still middle of the pack. Still 200 yards. And there's an nice X factor to this. His name is Kittle. Oh yeah. And Kittle has to be played. That man has been lighting the world on fire. If you ever saw a light go up. Woo wee. hundred and thirty four yards off of thirteen receptions, seventeen targets. That man has been nothing short of phenomenal ever since coming back from his injury. And you know what? I'm gonna roll with him and I'm gonna roll with my boy from South Carolina, Debo Samuels. I'm rolling with him too. He's been he put up a stinker last week, but other than that. Well actually, you know what? I shouldn't even say that. He did not put up a stinker last week because seventeen targets went to Kittle and Kittle halted thirteen of them. Okay, so you can't really do anything when Kittle's a ball hawk. Ball hog, not hawk. <laughs> um he did he only had three targets and re- received one of them. But then again, Kendrick Bourne, two targets, received one of them. Emil Sanders disappeared into the offense, four targets, only received two of them. I mean, they were just on a Kittle all day mostly. So, um, yeah, I'm still riding with my boy Debo. He's still good. He's still the number two there right behind Kittle. And number one wide receiver in uh group, I, I, I'm for sure about that. So I'm definitely riding with uh, Debo. If you had a ride with someone else, then Kendrick Bourne over Emmanuel Sanders. Sanders has been disappearing to that offense, and it's kind of hurting me a little bit. But if, if he does get hot, which he very well could, then they definitely know that he's a, a a problem but until such a time as so he get hot again um i don't think it'll be for our fantasy season i would ride with Kendrick Bourne so kittle debo kendrick bourne sanders at your own risk and then i would play the 49ers defense over the rams defense um, because I think that they are more complete defense overall. Plus, Joey Bosa being able to get through lines, like ain't nobody's business, and I'm pretty sure he can get through the Rams whole line
0: so Quickly, just to speak on the point of Raheem Mostert, um, as you mentioned, keep going strong. He has four touchdowns in, in the last— actually, sorry, five touchdowns in the last four games. No, sorry, four touchdowns in the last four games. Or yeah, five touchdowns in the last four games. Yeah, he had a rece- he had two touchdowns against the Saints, one rushing, one receiving. So uh he's definitely been scoring. He's definitely been uh their primary well, back all all around. And last week actually the red zone carries were split. Um there were three carries from inside the five. One went to Mostert, one went to Coleman, one went to Eustick. So that kind of got split. It um which has not always been the case with Shanahan. He's usually focused on one, but even so, um I feel like Coleman only got in the game because Burieda fumbled, so Coleman would be certainly risky unless you you know you think that Shanahan's going to punish Burieda and have Coleman ahead of him. But it really seemed like Coleman only saw the field because of a, a fumble, so his his status I think is incredibly shaky. And I mean, for Burieda, if he f- he fumbled, I mean he fumbled twice, didn't he? So his his status is shaky. So I think you're definitely right. Mostert is the running back to have. Uh, and against the Rams, I actually like that a lot more than any pass catcher because, uh, as you mentioned, it's it's a tougher aerial matchup than it is on uh, on the ground. So, yeah, definitely all for Mostert there. Did you say Goff was a must-sit or a maybe?
2: Um, I said that he was a maybe. I don't trust him with this matchup. But for yeah, the. Uh... Yeah. I'm definitely closer to the
0: must-sit. To be honest, because you're right. Like, thumb injury plus this matchup against the 49ers, he hasn't done well against good pass rushes. He's done well when he has time and can get to his reads, but uh, yeah, I don't like golf in this matchup.
2: No, golf has a bruised thumb on his throwing hand, severe, suffered a, th- a thumb bruise on his right hand in the second quarter when he threw an interception in his hand on the helm of left tackle Andrew Whitworth. So.
0: And, I mean, I already kind of mentioned, I hinted that I'm probably benching Woods, the one league I have him in for this title game. So yeah, I think it, that whole Rams passing offense. I mean, Gar- to me, Gurley is the only one that really you could play and, and actually feel confident about. And even that, like, it's it, the upside of the whole offense is probably going to limit what he could do. But at least he's a you know he's a good running back who's been getting a ton of carries lately. Tough to well, find could- that type of
2: volume. Here's another thing to to further emphasize that I want to. I want to play the 49ers, Jared Goff. I mean, not Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, cornerback Troy Hill underwent surgery on a thumb fracture, but it remains a possibility that he may play Saturday against the 49ers. He's expected to – it's looking like he may play, but if not, then rookie Darius Williams will start. Or um, I would not say the rookie. I would say, you know, earlier year, greenie, Darius Williams will start. Greg Zerline has a muscle strain in his leg. And it looks like he'll play, but they're exploring other options on if he's not able to go. And um, so, I mean, just on the CB alone, I like, you know, excuse me, I like the fact that they may play someone else. So that definitely will help uh, Garoppolo's matchup. That's true. That's
0: true. Yeah, it makes it, again, more confidence in guys like Debo and, and stuff like that. Um, all right, so move on to the Sunday games now. You've got the Saints at the Titans, and I'll keep this one brief. Uh, Drew Brees, fresh off the record. Michael Thomas chasing his own record for receptions in a single season. Brees just got the touchdown record. Automatic must-starts. Kamara, I know he's struggled, but this is a better matchup than he's had the last couple of weeks. And even last week, in a, in a pretty tough matchup against the Colts, he actually produced well. He uh, wasn't quite 100 yards from scrimmage, but he, he was up there. Uh, I think about 90, 89 yards from scrimmage, if I remember correctly. Anyway, it, you know, looked pretty good. Uh, pretty solid performance from him. So I definitely expect a bit better this week from the Titans. I mean, look uh, look what Carlos Hyde did. And, yeah, Texans are an explosive offense. But is there a more meh player, in, in, like a more meh running back in terms of, like, just average at everything? Like, you know, doesn't kill you with any trait, but, like, doesn't really have any explosion to him. Kamara is almost the exact opposite, right? Like, so much, you know he's oozing raw potential. And then he's in this great explosive offense to take advantage of it. So I'm, I'm all for Kamara against the Titans. Uh, The Tannehill Brown combo. uh, Tannehill has been incredibly consistent week to week. Uh, I know Kelly, you just hinted uh, you're expecting maybe a drop off from Tannehill. The thing is, I don't think Tannehill played this good in Miami. I really don't. So I kind of almost throw that out and say, we really, this is unprecedented for what he's done. So, to me, I'm gonna keep riding with him until he falls off. But he he's been incredibly consistent every game. Brown hasn't been the case, but he's had a couple of really big monster performances. And I know the Colts kind of got shut out in this game, um, but they also really kind of packed it in and just started running the football, knowing that's this is how we play football. We're gonna do that. Eh. Um, I, the Titans, as you mentioned, they're they're chasing for something right now. I mean, they're they're right actually right now on the outside looking in in the playoffs, so they've got tons of pressure on them. The division's still open, and if not, a, you, know, a, a, you know, wild card spots within grasp for sure. So I expect both of them to have their best games, or among their best games. I mean, not, maybe not, maybe it's after Brown to repeat what he did last week. It was pretty impressive. Um, I have both main tight ends as maybes. So Jared Cook, John U. Smith, pretty great options for Cook. Really, he's the only other trustworthy passing option beside Kamara and Thomas. He was third last week in tar- targets. Uh, I believe he was, other than those two, he was the only other player to get more than one catch in that game. So um, a lot of players had one catch, one target, one catch, one target. There's there's a lot of that going around with the Saints. Um, and then John Rue Smith, uh, again, up and down, kind of inconsistent, but at, at tight end, who isn't up and down and incredibly inconsistent. So he's, he's worth a look, I think, in a, a matchup that, again, they're, they're going to be forced to air it out. And because of all this, I'm actually, maybe for the first time, uh, Calling Derrick Henry a maybe, um, he because he doesn't catch passes unfortunately. So if if for some re- if the game script gets out of hand and the Saints are up by a ton, I think Derrick Henry's role gets really minimized and there's a risk that he could get completely taken out of the game. So it, it almost seems like unless he scores a touchdown, it's it's kind of has the risk of a bust. So I won't call Her- Henry a must start this week. Uh, and I mean, and I, I mentioned I referenced it too. Like the other, every other player that isn't mentioned here. So you know. Not Thomas, Kamara, Brown, the tight ends, and Henry. All those other skill position players, their target share is so inconsistent week to week that I can't trust any of them. I know there's there's a explosive performance here somewhere. I mean, but again, Breeze and everything he did last week, and all those guys Traquan Smith, Ted Ginn, uh, Josh Hill—it was touchdown or nothing. Like literally, some of them were one catch, two yards, touchdown. Like that's 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 all they had, and I don't know if they're gonna ha- do more than that this week. And same with the Titans players—they've been just so all. All over the map inconsistent that I can't really trust any of them in in a championship game. But uh, I guess the big question is, am am I crazy about Henry not automatically starting him? What do you guys think?
1: Um, I think because Henry is so much of a factor for the team and really allows the runner pass option with the Titans that it would be hard to argue that he's not going to be somewhat of a factor but I understand what you're saying about not making him a must start I think even if you put him in the maybe and you have him on your team you're likely going to play him so I agree with the call of not necessarily making him a must start but I'm not going to sit him either so I think you're right because of what you said and your reasons, but if I have him on my roster, I'm going to play him
0: again, volume, right? We have to chase the volume and getting volume with the running back like that. It doesn't, because I mean, even, even last week when they were down by quite a bit and they, they had to come back, he still got, I think over 20 carries. So, um, I did, I had that up and I took it off. Um, uh, anyway, so that's all for me. Um, Alessandro, any, uh, any quick comments?
2: I would still play Henry. I mean, this is a uh, matchup that I feel like that he can get into. I know the Saints are a lot better through the air than they are on the ground. But, then, but they've been getting better on the ground and less through the air. So I want to see what kind of Saints team shows up. But I, I would still play Henry. And I think he's still good talent. And he's got those angry runs they can plow through. You just got that big frame that can do it. So... I would still play Henry.
0: I guess the idea is that you don't really want to get into a track meet with the Saints, so maybe for the Titans it actually will be a heavier dose of Henry. So, okay. All right. I'll I'll buy into it a bit more. I don't have Henry in my league, so, I mean, I guess me saying this isn't really... Well, maybe bench him is more just to kind of watch out because I'm... You're right. If I had him on my teams, I probably wouldn't be benching him because you you can't really bench that type of volume unless you really drafted well while running back. But, um, all right. So, Giants at Washington. Kayla. Why
1: don't you take right. it away? All right. So, for the Giants, you have to start Saquon Barkley. He took advantage of a struggling rush defense with Miami last week, and he should be able to do it again this week. Uh, last week was the best game of the year. He had 112 yards and two scores. Uh, he could have had three touchdowns on the day, They but they put in backup Javorius Allen, who started over Wayne Galman, who was a healthy scratch for some reason. Um, so, Barkley, he had his highest volume of carries with 24. And Washington is 26 on the ground in rush defense. Uh, And then I also really like Darius Slayton in this matchup. I like that he's a big play guy who could get a big play against a big play prone defense in Washington. Um, They have done a better job than they did at the beginning of the season with allowing big plays. But uh, Washington's inability to tackle is baffling, especially as the game goes on. Uh, We saw it as their lead slipped away. Uh, despite, you know, they put a little odds of the team to win since Eagles needed to win the percentage after every time Washington scored and they still lost. So uh, because of issues like that. Um, so I also like Sterling Shepard for the Giants, their number one wide receiver. Uh, I like him for some of the same reasons, but he really is getting back into the groove of catching balls really all over the field after coming back from his two concussions this year. Last week, he had 111 yards on 9 of 11 catches, and he really is due a touchdown. So I think with the way that Washington's defense is, I think he could get it this week. And I'm excited for that. So in the maybe category, I have Daniel Jones and Eli Manning. So this is a decent quarterback matchup, but the Giants are saying that Daniel Jones will return. Uh, But you should monitor his status because no final call has been made yet. But also, if Daniel Jones is in, he may not be 100%, so it could be risky to play him. They might pull him if his ankle starts to aggravate him. Uh, But if Manning starts, and you know he's going to start I'd play him with confidence despite his three interceptions last week. Uh, it's easy to see he's played the game along, long enough to be comfortable with res- with receivers and the game plans that they have, uh, just most noticeably two weeks ago when Manning had never played with Darius Slate, and he had those two long touchdowns and over 150 yards. So uh, if the game script is right, then Manning can hit his guys. Um, and then we did talk about earlier how Evan Ingram is on IR. So obviously you're going to sit him. Um, but Rhett Ellison would then be the next man up, but there's no updates on whether he plays or not. Um, he's worth starting if he's cleared from concussion protocol, but he's been in concussion protocol for a few weeks, which is, uh, concerning. So if he's not cleared, you're obviously going to sit him Uh, And Caden Smith would be the next guy up. So just because of the matchup, uh, he, you could consider starting him, um, Honestly, I would try to find somebody else, but he would be the number one option. And then I would sit Javorius Allen. Um, He is the backup, like I said, over Galman for right now. Um, I wouldn't play him despite what he did last week with the matchup. Uh, But Barkley is also one twist away from going down. So, you know, if your Super Bowl kind of runs into week 17, you have those two-week Uh, games for your playoffs then have him on your radar just in case something happens to Barkley but there really isn't any reason to own him or play him even against Washington so um, I also don't like Golden Tate in this matchup he did have a 51 yard touchdown last week but that was his only catch so I trust Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard a lot more and I definitely trust Slayton way more to get the big play and other catches across the field from Tate so I do not like the option of Golden Tate here uh, for Washington, I really like Adrian Peterson. As soon as Darius Geis went down, I immediately picked up Adrian Peterson. Um, I knew that I was going to play him last week with confidence. It was a no-brainer for me, uh, and it paid off, which I knew it would. He had 16 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown for his second-highest fantasy production game all season. So even though the Giants are a little better against the run than Miami, uh, the Giants still allowed a good amount of yards on the ground to Ryan Fitzpatrick and Patrick Laird. So uh, Adrian Peterson's a Moscow. And it looks like in a lot of leagues, uh, he's still available. So if you need someone to fill your flex or you're just not feeling the matchup for some guys, pick up Adrian Peterson. Uh, with that being said, in the passing game, Terry McLaurin, you're starting him. Uh, Devontae Parker for the Dolphins last week had two scores despite only four catches. So in fantasy, that's what you want. I'll take 12 points or more with the touchdowns plus the yards against a lackluster defense. Uh, he should be able to score and haul in a few open field passes, which would bolster his Production Um, and you get the bonus points on PPR, obviously. So Washington using Adrian Peterson effectively again is huge for the options in the past game, most notably McLaurin. So the fact that they can run the ball effectively and management and coaching is finally using Peterson the way they should. Jay Gruden didn't. It's going to help McLaurin overall as well. Um, And then maybe uh, Dwayne Haskins, he finally threw for more than 250 yards. He had 261 last week and added two scores. So it was his highest fantasy production of the year, Um, but he still has yet to complete 20 or more passes in a game. Um, So his banged-up wide receiver court isn't helping matters, but uh, you could find the bright spot in a team that there hasn't been many bright spots this year. Haskins is worth a look. I'm not saying he's a high end starter, but I don't think he's a sit him against the giants. Um, and then Steven Sims, he's a wide receiver. He's going to enter the game as the number two guy um, for the game this week because Paul Richardson is on IR and Trey Quinn is in concussion protocol. He was targeted 11 times last week when those injuries arose, and he did catch a touchdown, according to CBS Sports. Any uh, league that is on their website, he's owned in zero percent of them, so he's available in your league. So if you're confident that Quinn's not going to play and you like the upside that the Giants' defense gives, and you could see in just the past couple weeks that it's there, Stephen Sims worth a look. Um, and then sitting uh, Chris Thompson, he's really not being used on the ground as they're running back, and he isn't getting many targets in the passing game, so that's not a recipe for success, so you're not going to play him. Uh, wide receiver Kelvin Harmon, he should see an increase in targets as potentially the number three guy in this game, but not enough for fantasy relevance. And then Jeremy Sprinkle, their tight end. His biggest production was in Week 11 against the Jets. He had 16 yards and a touchdown on two catches, so that should tell you all you need to know about how he's not fantasy relevant this year.
0: Uh, well, I've really had nothing to say. I think that was, I agree with absolutely everything. Uh, if I really had to nitpick, I'd say maybe I'm a little bit more optimistic on Tate, but you're right. It It's, again, it's last week, only one catch. It's really tough to trust that kind of volume. We were talking about how you always trust volume in terms of guys like Derek Henry. Well, if Tate's only getting one catch, how do you, how do you play him? And it's the same thing with the Saints players. I guess with Tate, it, the only caveat there is we've seen him be the the main target at times in this season, but a lot of those came when Sterling Shepard wasn't playing. So, yeah, I I think you're spot on. Alessandro, uh, care to add anything?
2: <laughs> sprinkle. <laughs> uh, I mean, I agree with Kayla. I just, you know, the name kills me a little bit.
0: You just had to sprinkle that in there.
2: Yeah, I just had to sprinkle that in there. Sorry, kill.
1: <laughs> it's all good.
2: That's uh, a sweet joke.
1: Stop. Stop.
2: <laughs> We're rotting Kayla's teeth with this. Come on now. Uh, do, Should I get on to my game? Yes. You may as well. Alright. I thought Kyle wanted to do some kind of like cool pun, but I guess not.
1: He already had two, so we can save it for another game.
2: Yeah, you can just jet right to your game. There we go. <laughs> well, you know what? There is a little bit of news with this. So, um, Jets place rookie right tackle uh, Chuma Adoga on um, IR along with ry- wide receiver rookie wide receiver Jeff Smith. Um, Edoga was a third round pick that started eight games for the Jets. He was he allowed seven sacks, which is tied for second most on the team. So, actually benching him and Send him on IR is actually one of the good things. Um, Steelers also announced they're going to continue with uh, Captain Duck Dodgers, Dylan Hodges, after his four INT I- game. So uh, he will be playing against the Jets. So um, with that in mind, let's get into the games. And uh, Captain Duck Dodgers. No, uh, so for this game, um, it. It's in New York, so and the line spread is three points. So um, it looks like to be a even matchup between the two, even though these records do not look like an even matchup at all. But when you look at the games themselves, it looks that way. So um, Jets got spanked, as we all saw on Thursday night, 42-21. Um, Darnold actually looked decent enough, um, but he wasn't good enough. Uh, <laughs> so for the um Steeler game I like Darnold he he's got good talent and he can actually move the ball he's been getting sacked less and it it, it's been against good uh rushing pass rush defenses like we saw last week with Baltimore they only got one sack for 11 yards and that critical drive that would put the Jets um it within range but um Yeah, only one sack. He's been better ball control, one interception um, over the past four games. So in the past five games, yeah, over the past five games, he's gone 15 touchdowns, four interceptions. It's still a good ratio. Um, He only had 218 yards out of 18 for 32, but I feel like that will go up against the Steelers just a little bit due to their banged-up corners. Um, we got a revenge game with Le'Veon, so to speak, you know, former team. He knows the ins and outs. He knows who go, who to go after. So Le'Veon could have a much better game. Uh, Baltimore was a really good run defense, and he ran 87 yards. Um, so I feel like he could hit the 100 mark with the Steelers. If he doesn't, he's still looking at, you know, goal line work. And um I definitely think that he uh he's gonna get in at least once, either through the air or on the ground. Um you're definitely playing Jameson Crowder. Crowder and Sam Darnold's connection has just been complete fire. Uh, Crowder last week, six receptions off eleven targets, uh ninety yards, two touchdowns. I mean, they they just been clicking. I know they had a couple of drop passes like the one in the end zone, but then he made up for it by picking up another end zone catch, so um, another one is Robbie Anderson. i I flexed on him so long ago. He was making me mad, but now he's back to being team leader. He's been uh, a couple of yards in the last four games. He's gone, I think 17 receptions and has done over 400 yards. So, I mean, he's back in the limelight. Um, Uh, there's no one else really to speak of to play for the Jets in terms of offense. Um, I mean, we have Vincent Smith and Daniel Brown, but Daniel Brown has not been very good. And Vincent Smith, while he's been very good and able to get the yardage and the points, it's a fickle matter for that reason. So I would not trust those two. Now, um, <clears throat> I'm going to quit ducking about and go to the Steelers, who uh, lost to the Bills. Um, like I said, uh, Duck Dodgers, Devon Hodges, I got to use his real name, but Duck Dodgers over here, four interceptions, under in their loss to the Bills. I, I don't think the Jets are going to get that many, but, I mean, four interceptions and four sacks, and the Bills' defense – it is better in some regards than the Jets, and the Jets are better in some regards. I feel like they could have something of a similar nature. So um, I would not play Devlin Hodges. I know the Bills' defense is better in corner-wise, but, I mean, I, it's he's still, in at the end of the day, a rookie QB coming into the league, and he doesn't have that many weapons as far as actual weapons. He, he's just making this up as he goes. Um, so I wouldn't play him. Um, Jets got torched last week for a combined 218 yards. That's 86 from Mark Ingram, 70s, 86 from Lamar Jackson, 76 from Mark Ingram, 35 from Gus Bus, 15 from Justice Hill, and six from Robert Griffin. That's the most that they've ever been ran on. I mean, it's the number one rush defense versus the number one rushing offense. I mean, someone was going to lose, and the Jets lost 218 yards. But no one got over 100 yards, which is still a mark that um, the Jets can still hang their head high on. I mean, we got to do something here. But, um, yeah, so with that said, if James Conner can't get even 50 yards on a Bills defense, then uh, <laughs> suffice to say, I mean, the Bills are good. But they've allowed 101.4, which is 2, 4, 6, 10th best in the league. And we're second best in the league. I don't see James Conner doing much more on the ground. Maybe through the air, but with him splitting snaps with Benny Sneal and uh, James Samuels, I don't see Conner doing much. So I'm going to move away from Conner this week, especially with him, you know, having to split all those snaps. I know last week it was just them looking to see how he felt and all that other good stuff, but I still won't. I don't trust him, especially with him splitting. Um, With Pittsburgh receivers, there's not really any good receivers. Juju was out last game, and it was looking like he may be out this game too or we'll have to keep an eye on it. Um, The only good receiver they had last game was James Washington, so you may be tempted to play James Washington if you're able to pick him up. Um, Deontay Johnson is also another person that you could possibly pick up. But other than that, I don't see much else. I mean, Nick Van Nett, if you're feeling frisky, but uh, James Washington and Deontay Johnson are the only two I can actually see, fantasy-wise, actually going far. Um everyone else is just a hodgepodge of second, third stringers, tight ends, wide receivers, uh running backs just mixed into the group. So and then um in terms of defense, I know I said the Jets defense has been good, Sandaro's been good, but I'm still gonna go with the Steelers defense. They're more complete, they've been getting more interceptions and they've been able to sack the quarterback quite a bit. I know I said the Ravens are good at it and um, we only got one sack against them, but uh, in terms of overall, the Steelers have are number one in terms of turnovers and sacks. So I uh, I would trust the Steelers more than anything.
0: I know I am putting a waiver claim in on them right now in one of my leagues. So we'll see if I get that in the morning. I'm certainly looking forward to that because uh, they're you know great scoring defense in terms of their fantasy points that they've uh, they've uh, produced this year, but also a great matchup against the Jets. Sorry, Alessandro. I'm a little bit more confident in Connor. Um, the game right before he injured his shoulder, he saw 83% of the snaps, and then two games before that, 80%. Um, there was a 50% game in there. That was the game Samuels missed. That was weird. That was a strange game, but uh then there was the bye week. I think he may have gotten mixed up a little bit and then he hit the bye week, and then they after that, they just they let him go ham 80, you know, 83% of the snaps, and then he got hurt. Um, I think last week was more of a test to make sure. I mean, he saw 58% of the snaps. That's not too shabby, actually, uh, but I expect that to go up this week. They they saw that he's healthier. They're you know they're a playoff team right now. They are, and I'm sure they want to keep winning to to keep that. So, uh, I expect Connor to actually see up closer to the eighty percent of the snap share, and thus being able to be, um, uh, you know, able to to play. Um, Kayla, do you want to add anything or get to your Bengals Dolphins game?
1: Um, I think I'm good. I like the fact about playing with playing Crowder with confidence. I feel like he's shown, um, especially last week against Baltimore, but in the games prior to that, he's shown enough uh, confidence that you should be able to start him pretty much against any matchup. So um, I like, uh, well, actually with him.
0: I I'm going to interject. Sorry. I, I did forget to mention that I'm not as crazy about Crowder cause he's probably going to see Minka Fitzpatrick. So um to be honest, I even Bell scares me this week. Like I don't really want to play any Jets player. <laughs> I think I, this is this well. This is and this is what I thought last week against the Ravens, and they put up twenty-one points. So maybe I was a bit wrong there. But man, this Steelers defense is something else right now. I mean, the, the, with the quarterback play they're getting and the wins that they've got, like this defense is. Imagine if they had decent quarterback play, like how good this team would be. So I just this defense scares me as a as a matchup. Well, see so
2: anyway. that's the thing. I, I think this will be a long-drawn-out, low-scoring game because of the defenses. I mean, you got a true blue um, QB that drew four interceptions against the Bills. I know I'm, I'm saying it's the Bills, but, I mean, the Jets are not that far off in terms of – the Jets are not that far off in terms of sacks and trying to stop the Bills. Um, in terms of t- touchdowns allowed, the Bills have allowed our second right behind the Patriots. But in terms of touchdowns allowed, the Jets are th- three behind the Steelers, and the Steelers allow twenty-two. The Jets allow twenty-four all year. So I mean, it, it could be a low-scoring game. It could be a high-scoring game. Yeah, uh, it, I I think I would bank today. on
0: seeing what we saw Sunday night, and I'd be tempted just to avoid this game completely, to be honest.
2: Except I would Connor.
0: But again, I, I think Connor's getting more. Sorry, Kayla. Uh, you can get to Bengals and Dolphins, the game that everyone has been anticipating for most of the season.
1: This game should be on Sunday Night Football. I keep trying, but nobody answers me on Twitter, but it's okay. Um, so for Cincinnati, uh, you have to... Quiet in the peanut gallery. Um, You have to start Joe Mixon, uh, running back for the Bengals. Uh, He could help you you win a championship with how poor Miami's rush defense is. The Dolphins allowed three rushing scores last week to Barkley and Javorius Allen that I already mentioned. Um, And Barkley had been struggling most of the year. So he literally doubled his total touchdowns on the season going from two to four last week. Um, And like I mentioned earlier, he lit up uh, Joe Mixon. He lit up the Pats. And he has three 100 or more rushing yard games since week 10, including 282 rushing yards on the ground, obviously, in the last two weeks. Uh, So I like the matchup um, mix. And if you're Cincinnati, you trust him the most going into this game. I also really like Tyler Boyd just because Miami does a really poor job covering top wide receivers Uh, and Boyd was shut down last week and he only had 26 yards against New England so I think he'll want to bounce back game personally Um, and he also has had 23 targets in the last three weeks so the usage is there Uh, he just went against a tough defense last week Um, but now he's going on the opposite side of the spectrum Uh, and even though Miami's more so in the middle of the pack right now in pass defense. They're still not great. They give up the big plays, which he's capable of. And they also give up the short yardage anywhere on the field to the top guys on teams. And Tyler Boyd is in the number one slot. So, um, going for maybe Andy Dalton, I think he's a very low end starter, um, just because of his turnover potential and the pass defense again for Miami is more in the middle of the pack now than it was. Um, The Dolphins did pick off Manning three times, so the interception issue is there. Uh, The Dolphins actually won the turnover differential. Um, But Dalton is playing for himself now to make a name for himself to be a starter on a different team next year. So I think if he wasn't really auditioning for a new team, uh, Cincinnati would kind of throw in the towel uh, against a team who could threaten its first round pick. But I think Dalton has too much uh, confidence and, you know, self-respect to let him not do well for himself so he can continue playing in the NFL after this year. Uh, I don't see Cincinnati hanging on to him. So I think uh, this game, he's really doing it for himself. Um, And then John Ross, Miami does struggle in the slot. He's slot receiver for Cincinnati. Um, we saw it with Golden Tate last week on that big blown touchdown play. Um, I do think Cincinnati will be able to use him, John Ross across the field, but I really think he's going to need a touchdown to have a good fantasy day, but the potential leaves him out of a sit for me. I think uh, it's there. I think he could be used, and I think he's worth a look for you. Um, And Giovanni Bernard, the backup running back to Mixon, even though it's against 31st ranked rush defense, uh, Mixon's going to take over this game. Bernard really hasn't been being used regardless of the matchup so I I don't like him in any capacity for this week Um, and then Alex Erickson the number three wide receiver uh, he'll likely only have a good game with a big play score so uh, he also fumbled last week which never helps your team look for you the following week so in my opinion he's not worth the risk and then Tyler Eifert and CJ Uzoma the Bengals tight ends there's not enough yards or targets or catches to be fantasy relevant for either one of them so avoid them And then jumping over to the Dolphins, uh, the only must-start that I have is Devontae Parker. He's 46 yards away from his first 1,000-yard season in his career. He cleared concussion protocol and scored Miami's two touchdowns last week, and he's on pace for double-digit touchdowns for the first time, too, in his career. So with a depleted receiving core, he's clearly standing out, and he's living up to what he needs to do to help in the pass game. I like him going forward no matter what. And then maybe I have uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So it's interesting I went back and forth on this one. If you look at it, quarterbacks have actually struggled in their fantasy days against Cincinnati this season, most likely because they haven't necessarily really been needed for their team to win. Um, a lot of teams kind of carve up the bangles on the ground. But because Fitzpatrick is now the leading rusher for Miami since the Dolphins have cycled through four starting running backs and eight total rushing options this year, uh, his stock on the ground helps him in this game. He also has multiple touchdowns and is cutting down on his interceptions. So uh, he's kind of going against a weak defense overall. So I think because of his rushing ability and the way that he passes the ball and finds the open guys a lot of the time, he's a higher end maybe starter, but I couldn't put him in the must-start category for everybody's own uh, sanity. So uh, I also went with Patrick Laird, maybe uh, he's their starting running back again, and he should be that bearing any injury for these last two games. Um, he's back to around three yards per carry, which doesn't really sound like a lot. But uh, the Dolphins running backs were under two yards per carry this year. So uh, Kalen Ballage uh, was the lowest, with like one point eight, which is horrible. Um, and I'm actually
0: surprised it's one point eight. And Badge? and not lower.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe they're just being generous. Who knows? But uh, the fact that he's around three or more yards per carry and is uh, trusted as the leading rushing option uh, it bodes confidence for me. Um, he's not getting as many looks in the past game as I thought he would be, but I'm just happy that they can run the football. I don't really care anymore. Um, he is losing carries to Fitzpatrick, um, but that's mainly because Fitzpatrick is scrambling a lot, kind of make, trying to make him plays out of nothing. Um, but I think both of these defenses are going to struggle this week, even though the offenses aren't stout. I think both these teams are going to come in knowing they can win this game, uh, whether they really need to or not based on their you know, draft capital and where they are, but uh, I don't see these te- two teams throw in the game either. So uh, Laird also has double-digit carries in all of his starts, so that's something to look at too. So Not only is he just getting these long runs randomly when he comes in, but he's carrying the ball a lot. Uh, and then I'm looking at Albert Wilson. I think he's a very low end starter. Uh, he finally got over 50 yards this season in their last game. He had 59 yards on five catches and eight targets. Uh, most of them came coming in the first half, though. He kind of fell off as the game went along, and I think last week uh, was kind of an outlier. However, since in these past, defense is atrocious, so he could put together a decent showing for a team that really needs it because, aside from Devontae Parker, no one else is consistent. And then tight end Mike Gesicki, he was held without a touchdown for the second straight week, but has scored against poor pass defenses this year, uh, looking at the Jets and the Eagles. So they're going against a poor pass defense again. I think he has enough potential in the game to be worth a look, and he's not just a brush off at a sit-em. Um, But that being said, the two guys I would sit for Miami would be uh, wide receivers, Alan Hearns and Isaiah Ford. Hearns is uh, back to having one or two catches per game and not really making an impact. He did have a few weeks there where he was more involved in the pass game uh, and got a touchdown or two throughout uh, those weeks. uh, But he's not really doing that anymore. And then Isaiah Ford, he's not going to produce unless a wide receiver is out. He is the fourth option. He shows that he's capable of that, but he's still going to be the fourth option on the team.
0: Uh, I think pretty spot on. <laughs> Strangely, though, especially with the Bengals stuff, where I, not issues, but where I have a, a couple things to talk about is with the Dolphins. Actually, funny enough, um, the thing with Laird and pretty much it, the moment Kenyon Drake was traded, I was said it. Miles Gaskin is the most talented running back on on the team. However, I was not playing Miles Gaskin. I mean, I even played Patrick Laird last week uh, because he had been seen. Uh, what was it? It was I think that the week before he he was in on eighty two percent of the snaps compared to only eighteen for Gaskin last week 48% for Laird 48% for Gaskin so suddenly it flipped i don't know i know Laird was not having the at least the start of the day not having the greatest uh, yards per carry it kind of went up as the game went on but i do wonder if if Miami is realizing what again what i've thought which what do i know but i i think Gaskin gets more work here so i'm i would downgrade Laird to to a sit to be honest i'm not It's such a it's such a great matchup, which means it's so hard to do. But I think I don't know. I think it'll be a pretty close to committee because I mean Laird had twelve carries last week. Gaskin had nine. Uh, Both had two receptions. Laird for eight yards. Gaskin for twenty nine yards, though. And I mean, even though he had three less carries, Gaskin had forty three yards compared to forty six for Laird. So. I don't really want to start Gaskin, although I do have him in the league, and yeah, I might consider it. I think I would feel stronger about Gaskin than Laird this week. That's, that's kind of all I really think. I don't know. Is that crazy?
1: No, I don't think it's crazy. Um, I just think that the way the game was going last week, when Laird wasn't really doing well at the beginning, they kind of threw in Gaskin throughout, and he was actually making an impact because the Giants didn't, wasn't weren't expecting it. They didn't know how to cover him. Um, so that's where he was kind of making his impact. And then they kind of flipped back, and Laird was doing more down the stretch. But going back and forth, yeah, it's telling that, you know, something wasn't working, that they had the same percentage of the snap share. Uh, so it's something to monitor for sure. But I just think with watching that game, um, Gaskin wasn't in because they suddenly wanted to see what he could do as a starter, if that makes sense.
2: Okay,
0: yeah, that does make sense. Um, so again, I'm holding maybe again dynasty shares. Hold on to Gaskin, and I mean maybe even hold on to Laird. It's, he's a running back. They're, that that depth is important everywhere. Alessandro, care to comment about this game?
2: Uh, no, I think we're good here.
0: All right, um, so I don't, Kayla, you have to run. I can quickly run through this Ravens Browns game. Not nearly as fast as Lamar Jackson could, but uh, if you need to bow out, you can <laughs> you can bow out. Thanks for having on. Uh, thanks for coming on and, and doing this
1: yeah you're welcome i am gonna bounce but uh yeah we'll we'll talk about the the second uh week but yeah thanks for let me leave a little bit early
0: yeah well no problem i mean things got kind of technical issues we kind of went a little longer than we, we needed to in terms of scheduling so uh yeah totally understandable uh and again we got through everything but one game so we're, we're almost there but uh yeah so we, uh thanks kayla
1: yeah you're welcome i'll talk to you guys later All right,
0: bye bye kayla Right. So as I mentioned, Ravens, Browns, um, okay. So Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, Mark Andrews, all automatic must starts. I uh, even last week, I, I, I was kind of considering benching Ingram. I was like, Ooh, dude, Jets. And then I played him and obviously it worked out. I I think I still lost that league, but it wasn't because of Ingram. Um, so yeah, definitely you could feel fully confident playing. Ingram If, if he was able to do that against the Jets run defense and I, You know, Lamar Jackson doing it against a great run defense is one thing, because that's not how most teams defend. But Ingram, it's running up the middle. And for the Jets, that's been their strength is defending that. So it was actually pretty impressive to see him do that. Um, So, yeah, full confidence in Ingram. Uh, Full confidence in Nick Chubb, even though it's a tough defense with the Ravens. But he did score three touchdowns against them in their first meeting. And yes, the Ravens defense has improved greatly since that time but a lot of the changes they've made have been in the secondary and improving the pass defense. So I still think where they're they're more vulnerable, and it's not that much more vulnerable, where their weakness lies is on the ground. So to me, Nick Chubb, the only Browns player that's worth starting, and frankly, the only one I really want to start. I mean, to me, the next best option on Cleveland is the other running back, Kareem Hunt, because he catches so many passes. Dump off option against that Ravens pass rush could be great, and then he won't see one of the great corners. I have Landry as a maybe, but even that, I'm, I'm scared of that. Uh, I don't have Landry in any league, so again, take that for what it is, but I would not I would look for other options if I did have Landry this week, because uh, it doesn't matter where he lines up, but outside in the slot, he's seen a tough corner. Um, could be Jimmy Smith, could be Marlon Humphreys. It's probably not going to be um, Marcus Peters, and we'll get to that in a sec, but uh, yeah, I'm a little scared of Landry, and I'm also a little scared on the other side of Marquise Brown. Um. And against the Browns last time, I think he only ended up with 46 yards and just a two or three catches. So it wasn't a, I mean, yeah, a bit longer in terms of that yards per reception is nice, but really didn't produce much in that game. And, uh, you know, partially maybe you know, he was a rookie. It was his third NFL game. Not quite used to the NFL speed yet, but also playing against someone like uh, Denzel Ward, who was a, what, what he, a fourth overall pick his draft last year. So uh, if he sees Ward again, I don't know that Brown's going to produce that much. So. Tough to hinge your fantasy hopes on that, but really, I don't. I don't like any Ravens player other than those top three. I think the volume for those three is going to be huge, and then everyone else it just trickles down. I guess Lamar Jackson's that type of quarterback and that type of offense right now that you can throw in a player like a a, a Miles Boykin or or even like a Willie Snead and just okay, hope they get a touchdown. But it's, I don't know. You don't, you don't want to. It's tough to hinge all your your fantasy championship hopes on simple hope. For, for a player, right? You, I need to see more from them. And to me, those top three are worth it. And that's even with Brown, I'm, I'm scared. And then uh, for the Browns must sit players, I'm saying Baker Mayfield against this very difficult Ravens defense. And this team has struggled. It's a complete, it's in complete disarray at this point. Um, it sounds like the news that the Browns may keep Freddie kitchens is <laughs> clearly players aren't reacting well to that because they went and played horribly um, uh, should be expected. Again, I've been on saying this. Uh, I don't like, when head coaches get fired after one year, but to me, the Browns have to do it. I don't I don't think Freddie Kitchens is a head coach in the NFL. I don't think he's right for the job. He I think he, he was it was too early, right? I mean he was an offensive coordinator for half a season and then suddenly promoted to head coach. I think that's that's too quick of an Kyle, ascension. Kyle,
2: Kyle, you gotta go he was a he was a positional coach, then uh O C and then a head coach.
0: Yeah, was all in within eight. the last calendar year, right? That's, it's too quick for me. And I mean, uh, and I don't want to bring this up because Tom Sula was a great positional coach, but then going from a, what was he, linebackers coach right to head coach without being a coordinator, that, 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 that they fired him after one year. <laughs> the 49ers strategy back then was to do that. But I just, the players aren't reacting well to it. And as long as Kitchens is there, I'm scared of playing May- Mayfield. And I'm again, I'm really scared of o- OBJ. This week, uh, dealing with the hernia all year. I mean, he's been able to produce some games, but against weak defenses, he can't do anything against these tough defenses. And Marcus Peters right now is bawling. And I don't see how Beckham does anything against him. So uh, I know I had the one league I lost in the semifinal, um, had Beckham in. If I was playing this week, I would not be playing Beckham. I, I would have found I would have. I would have thrown like a Deontay Johnson in my lineup, or I think I have Alan Lazard. I have Alan Lazard everywhere. Just throw him in, but just not OBJ, not this week. Uh, and then Ricky Seals-Jones. He got the two touchdowns last week, but guess what? That was against Arizona. Were we expecting anything different from a tight end? Uh, and apparently he's dealing with a shoulder injury too. So who is the tight end for the Browns next week? Is it Njoku who's a healthy scratch? Is it Steven Carlson? Is it Demetrius Harris? Like I don't really trust any of them, because I don't see the upside in this offense, except on the ground with Chubb and Hunt. And yeah, that's that's it for me there. I don't really have much to add to that. All right. So uh, thank you all for listening to the this episode. Um, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at FPC underscore fantasy pod. Your co-hosts Kayla uh, at Morton Salt 74 Alessandro at AM underscore senator and myself, Kyle Senra at Yama underscore uh, chaos. Be sure to rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, check us out on the full press radio network. Uh, we're in syndication, uh, usually daily, uh, as well as all sorts of other great content from the Full Press Coverage family. So be sure to check out the Full Press Radio Network, which is streaming 24 hours a day. Alessandro, any final words? It's going to be a long weekend. Um, yeah, but it starts a little quicker for us. Again, Saturday morning. So make sure you check your lineups for Saturday morning. I know we talked about our Saturday games here. Um, but uh, yeah, be sure to uh, make sure you, you know your lineups are set by Saturday morning to be able to... Uh, fully participate in these uh, playoffs and likely fantasy championship week. So uh, good luck to everyone out there. Um, Thank you all for listening to the full press fantasy pod.